The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. And we prayed for retirement and into the whole area of the Kingdom of God and retirement on Thursday. And we'd love to, to follow that up really by speaking about it. And um, there are principles within the Kingdom of Heaven, the Kingdom of God, which really do carry through into retirement and different areas and different phases of life. And um, that's, that's kind of some of the stuff we're going to talk about. But what do I know about retirement? Okay. What do I know about retirement? No. <laughs> In my youthful 20s, um, 40s. What do I know about retirement? Here's what I know about retirement. Okay. Psalm 145 verse 4. I don't know if you got that up. One generation commends your works to another. What I know about retirement is everything I've seen my own dad go through and talk about. What I know about retirement is even these past couple of weeks, there's been three or four people that I've sat down and talked to, including Dave and Pan, and they've kind of relayed forward to me, kind of like, this is what retirement looks like. This is what God does during retirement. These are the choices that you have to make. And so first off, the first thing I want to say Okay, is that there is a kingdom principle of one generation commends your work to another. What does that mean? Even if you've got 30 or 40 years before you retire, please, please listen to the things that you're going to hear this morning because they will serve you well. They will serve you well. They will put things in your life that hopefully you won't forget. And the things that you're going to hear, because there are some principles in there about the kingdom of heaven, not only will they help you when you face retirement, they will help you from lots of different areas of life anyway. Okay? So one generation commends the, your works to another. In a moment, we're going to hear from Dave and Pam. I've, I've already learned stuff from them this week. Okay, but for me, the biggest person that I saw go through retirement and from different things was my own dad. I watched him go through retirement around the age of 55 and similar to any life transition, okay, similar to any life transition, retirement took him from all of the time and the identity and the, uh, the, uh, the responsibility that work gave him, okay. It took him from that and it moved him into a season of huge rediscovery about who he was, about what he was going on to do, about responsibility and all sorts of things. So he went through one phase of life, literally into another. And as his son, I sat back, I watched, I asked a few questions along the way, but I literally learned by seeing some of the choices that he made. At the same time for my dad, my mum passed away a few months after he'd retired. So they had all these plans after, he'd been, after he was going to retire. And then my mum passed away. And so all of a sudden, there's yet another thing that absolutely changes his own life, his own world, and how he views everything. So there were two things for my dad that I saw hit him at the same time. One of them was retirement. The second one was losing my mum. And so he had to have all of these different choices in the things that he, gave, that he had to try and work through. But here's what I learned from watching him through both of those things happening at the same time. And actually, I spoke to him this week about it. If you hold on to kingdom principles and the king that upholds 
those kingdom principles, then this transition can become a wonderful time of renewal and growth. It can be a wonderful time of renewal and a wonderful time of growth. But the thing is, he had to choose not to retreat from all of the questions that came his way going through these areas. He had to choose not to sit indoors, lock the front door and think, this is now my life, I can watch Jeremy Vine on TV. Whatever, whatever's on on TV, he could have chosen to run away and hide away from all these choices. But if it weren't for a godly mate of his who said, said to him, you've got two choices. You can either retreat or you can get up on your feet. You can look at the questions coming your way. You can face them and you can work through them and you can get through them with kingdom principles and the king that upholds those principles. He had to choose not to retreat from all that had come his way. He had to embrace it, face it, go through it, and emerge the other side. That's why this talk matters. In a minute, we're going to hear from Dave and Pam, as I've said. And if you're a long way away from retirement, then still listen, because you're going to hear some solid, solid kingdom principles that I think matter above and beyond retirement. They matter through all of life. What else do I know about this subject? I know a little bit about transitions from personal experience, from moving and having kids and all sorts of other bits and pieces through to training that I've done in, in a previous job and things like that. And here's the thing that we know about transitions. Transitions are normally the start of a new beginning. You get that? With retirement, you are literally starting a new thing. But with most new things, okay, pretty much every new thing, every new thing begins and definitely includes an ending. Whenever you start new things, there will always be things that will end. For example, I, I don't know, I don't know this, but if, um, if you're married or, or, or whatever, if you're expecting a child and you're currently at work, then even that area of a new beginning is you're going to have a child, but the ending is you're going to have to put your career on hold or you're going to have to do this bit on hold or that bit on hold or that bit on hold. That's a big change and a, and a big transition, okay? Within retirement, it might be all of a sudden that finally you can finish work, finally you've got all this time, finally this, finally that but there will be endings that you're going to have to face. Every new beginning, more often than not, includes endings. There's a brilliant book called Transitions by a guy called William Bridge, best book ever. Like if you're looking at transitioning and how on earth do you work through this stuff? I've read it through three or four times. It is absolutely brilliant. And there are three or four things that he brings up. And the reason why I want to voice these is sometimes we don't really recognise what's going on inside of us when we're faced with a big life change. And retirement is one of these things, okay? Can you, can you put them things up, HUD? I think they're there. Um, disengage, yeah. Okay, bear with me, all right? I really hope some of these things work. Transition of any kind, a beginning and ending. These are some of the things that you face in the process. There's a word called disengagement. In any transition where you break from the old connections, as you come out of something and into something new. It's like you're unplugged from your old social world. You're unplugged all of a sudden from what gave you identity. 
So there's almost like this disengagement really from what you have been used to for a long period of time. And work brings a lot of that. A lot of that well, that disengagement where socially, your identity and all these different areas, work and purpose and things like that, that that's the thing that I'm trying to talk about. There's a disengagement, a break away from those old connections. Don't be scared by this word. There's a dismantling where all of the old practices, all of your old habits, all your old identity, they can slowly be taken apart a bit by bit. I've experienced this when we've moved house. It takes time. You find yourself in a new place and you're like, I'm not used to this. You wake up and you draw your curtains and everything looks different outside and you're like, what's, what's this about? So there's a bit of a, a dismantling, there's a disidentification, there's a loss of what can define you, who am I now? There's a removal of what you were, an old identity, into a time of non-identity where you're working, I don't quite know who I am because I'm not quite fully over here yet. I've left this bit over here with work and you've got retirement and you're in this bit of trying to work out who you are and what you do. Removal of old identity in a time of non-identity. This is an important stage to go through so that it doesn't stand in the way. And we need to loosen the bands of the person that we think we are moving into a new identity. And the last one is disorientation. And I don't know if anyone's felt like this. That feeling of a sense of future has been affected and you're not quite sure what the future holds. These are all things that transitions from one thing into another. They're the honest things that can come up and bring us questions in who we are. But that's not the end of the story in the kingdom of God, okay? Because what does Jesus know about transitions? What does the king of our kingdom know about transitions? What might he say to bring us some encouragement and shed some light on things like retirement? I personally believe and think that Jesus knows what transitions are like because he went through them. You see it in the Bible quite a few times. Jesus went from one place to another place and I'm convinced that he felt the feelings and emotions of it. I don't think he floated through life. I don't think the Bible says that. So actually some of these things that are up there, I actually think Jesus experienced. Let me give an example. Just before Jesus started in ministry, okay, I think the age 30, something like that, he was baptised, he was sent into the wilderness and then he started his ministry, okay? What actually happened for Jesus in those periods of times? I think Jesus went from having a secure home to not having a home when he started his ministry. He had to wander. He says himself, you know, I don't have a home. I don't have a definite place to stay. And you can see in his ministry, he wandered about doing lots of different things. He went from having a job to not really having a secure job. He went from being unknown to being incredibly known. And he went from carrying light responsibility to literally carrying the weight of the world. He was baptised, he went into the wilderness, he came out prepared for ministry. There was a transition that happened within the Son of God himself to prepare him 
for the last period of his life where he would die, he would rise again. What do we see in all these things that's going through Jesus' mind and emotions? There is one thing that you can see in the wilderness. He held on to kingdom, kingdom, kingdom principles. He went back to the Bible. There were deep things that he held on to that got him through that period of time. In all our beginnings and endings, especially within retirement or wherever that might be, I want to lead us with two things before Dave and Pam come up, okay? I haven't gone through that too quick. I want to deal with the kingdom aspect of actual change within retirement before Dave and Pam come up. There are two things I want to lead us with. In all our beginnings and endings in retirement, remember this. Hebrews 12.28 says, we are part of a kingdom that is unshakable. Within all our inner questions, within all the dismantling and all those different things, okay, everything around us is changing here. We are part of an unshakable kingdom on which we can stand on its principles and we can find hope, we can find peace, we can find purpose, we can find a future at a point where we're asking all sorts of questions. And the second bit for me, which, which I love, with beginnings and endings. And remember, in all our beginnings and endings, in any transition, including retirement, if we commit our ways to Jesus, then that's the best place because Revelation says he is the ultimate beginning. He is the ultimate end. So in all our own beginnings and endings, there is a king of this kingdom that was there at the start. He was before the start. He will be there at the end and he oversees the whole lot. And if you make him Lord, there's no better place to be. I'm going to hand over to Dave and Pam. Let's give them a round of applause as they come. Yeah, Paul just finished with that Hebrews verse. This kingdom is unshakable. So how do we finish well when all around you seems to be falling apart? Dave was given an early retirement from teaching due to a chronic illness at the age of 42. We can't always prepare for the age we will retire at, if as a Christian there is such a time. But for us, and everything around us was changing, we knew that God had a plan and a purpose for us. One of our darkest times was when Dave was seriously ill in hospital. I felt my whole world was being shaken. A sick husband, early retirement, a young family to raise, mortgage and other bills to pay, and very little money. God spoke to me through the story of Job. After all that had happened to him, and with Job, he'd lost his, uh, his friends, his family, his health. But in chapter 42, he says, I know that you can do all things, Lord. No plan of yours can be thwarted. And as I look through Hebrews 11 and 12, it talks about us being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, encouraging us to throw off everything that hinders us 
and run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus also called his early disciples to be my witnesses in their surrounding area and to the ends of the earth, commissioning them in Matthew 28, as we heard from Sam and Claire last week, go and make disciples of all nations. So as Christians, whatever or wherever we find ourselves in life, we're called to be witnesses and make disciples. So that's what Dave and I have found ourselves doing in various places, in our home, in Hastings, in Sussex, in the United Kingdom, and some other nations for short periods, uh, all the time, right up into our 60s and into our 70s. Looking back, God did have a plan, and over the years gave us many opportunities to witness and disciple, whether it was in the church, in fostering children, and in an HIV support group for families during the AIDS epidemic in South Africa, where we lived for two years. Just before returning from there, at the age of 60, we experienced a very frightening hijacking at gunpoint. But God rescued us. And when we finally returned from KwaZulu-Natal at 60, my joints, my joints were creaking, they were painful, my energy levels had fallen, my eyes had started to develop cataracts. I felt like, okay, time to take it easy. But while we were away, what did we find? The nations on our doorstep. People from many countries settling in the United Kingdom for a variety of reasons. What an adventure in learning from other cultures, hearing firsthand about some of those events we see on the news. While we were part of Friends International Group, we met many people literally from countries from A to Z, Afghanistan right through to Zambia. So when we were feeling like this, the Apostle Paul warns us about this time in life in 2 Corinthians 4. We have this treasure in jars of clay, although outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So after two hip replacements, Taking a day at a time, we can still be witnesses and help make disciples. This time of life, your GP often calls you in for a health MOT. So what about a spiritual MOT? The church puts on various courses like Living Free. I have found this so helpful over the years in throwing off all those things that hinder us in our Christian life. There's another course attached to this that we've done with some of our Connect group called Keys to Health, Wholeness and Fruitfulness. It deals with the big questions that are often difficult to talk about. Questions like, what happens when God doesn't heal me? How do I live well and be a good witness with a chronic illness? What does it mean to die well? So at the end of the day, and let's face it, Many of us are getting near the end of the day. Whether you're 45, 65, or 85, God still gives us opportunities to witness and disciple. We've all got a story to tell, 
of how we've been rescued and able to witness into how we've been brought into this unshakable kingdom and help make disciples. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. After all that applause, I can't wait to hear myself preach. Yeah, it's great. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Pam. And obviously, I live with Pam, like, all the time. Have done for 50-something years. So, you know, I can witness that I've seen all those things happen over the years with Pam. Um, <clears throat> so, it's very exciting. Thank you for the privilege, Paul, of being able to get up here and speak. I've done it for a long time. Um, but it's great to be here. Um, I'm not quite sure how the... Uh, PowerPoint stuff's going to appear, so I'm quite excited to see what comes up when I say to Hudson, could we have a first slide up, please, from my little bit of the talk, and see what comes. Ah, oh, that's, a bit, that's a bit later. I'll just hold that one up there, Hudson, please. Uh, very interesting, I think it's Hudson on the thing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, very interesting seeing Hudson up there, because his dad is sitting at the back there, and his grandma and granddad are sitting in front of me. And I just thought... I was wandering up the back there during the worship after getting my water and I looked around at the congregation and because we've been here donkey's years, I've seen every situation you can imagine in retirement. People we've known for some 30 years, 40 years um, and we've seen them go through all those stages in lives when we were really going for it in the kingdom. I remember, for example, Judy. Do you know Judy Wales used to organise babysitting for the whole church when we were about 250, 300 you mind doing it again? You up for it? No? Okay. But, you know, we work together. And Tony, I don't know if the acoustic panels are up here still. They're probably not. Do you know, Tony made the acoustic panels for this whole building decades ago. And I've seen them sort of grow up through, you remember them, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, through their lives, see things change. You know, and it's amazing. And there's Hudson out there doing the, the words and stuff. And I've seen all sorts of situations. So, we just said uh, retirement's an ending and a beginning. We found we've got this unshakable kingdom. And when it comes to being witnesses and disciples, there is no retirement, just doing things differently. But the reality is, in our age, we do stop paid work. By the way, when Pam says I retired at 42, I've had various um, careers since then. I haven't sat back since 42 and just uh, enjoyed retirement. I've worked for the church here and different things, just to make that clear. But we do actually, you know, get, get released from paid work. Do you know, the only passage in the Bible I can find that actually alludes to retirement by name is in Numbers, and it's chapter 8, verse um, 30, whatever it is. Have a look at Numbers 8 at some point. To the end of that chapter, which isn't going to appear up there, but it doesn't matter, it says about the Levites, the people who worked in the temple, it said they stopped working at 20-something, I think, and then from the age of 50, they should retire from the duty of service and serve no more. They may assist their brothers in the tent of meeting in carrying out their duties, but they shall perform no service. That's what you do with the Levites, the temple servants. That's the only place I can find where there's any retirement mentioned in the Bible. So, the, you know, the difficult bit is... I'd love to be able to put up, you know, 10 points. Oh, there it is. Numbers 25, 26, yeah. Um, actually, it's Numbers chapter 8, verses 25, 26, but never mind. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I'd love to come up with 10 points of a good retirement, you know, so you can write them all down. 
but you can't because that's all there is. So what are we going to say? We know what retirement's like. Energy levels drop. Physical limitations kick in, have to be reckoned with. Family relationships may change. Limited mobility means we can't do as much as we want to, or we'd like to, or we used to. Remember that preach last week when Sam and Claire preached so well and on kingdom and family, and she said, no two families are ever the same. And it's the same with retirement. Looking around, no two retirements are ever the same. Um, some people will have a healthy pension, two healthy pensions, and be able to have a, you know, spend it well. Some have got uh, children and grandchildren nearby. Others live on very little on their own. Family may be far away. Uh, we heard one brilliant example last week, didn't we, from the garlic family, where the grandparent generation can support, provide a family base and so on. And it can change in so many different ways. Some of us in our 60s and early 70s may be looking after elderly relatives. Longevity of modern living. Sometimes we end up looking after grandchildren we never expected because of illness or family breakup. And I'd like to recommend that book that was up there, um, a book called The Life You Never Expected by Andrew and Rachel Wilson. Andrew's preached from this platform many times and he's a very man of great integrity. They've got two autistic children. So while this has nothing to do with retirement, the principles that they found in there, how do you handle the life you never expected? I'm not going to mention by name, but I can look here and say, I know... There are some people here who didn't expect to live like this in their last years. It's, it's, it's more what I expected. That book is so helpful in how we manage that. I'll just let me watch for time. But I just think we are a charismatic church. Brilliant time of charismatic worship, wasn't it? It's great when God comes and moves among us. And I think we need to listen to the voice of the Spirit sometimes. So, well, all the time, but... I just feel, yeah, Jackie's uh, eyeing me. At the prayer meeting this morning, at the early morning prayer meeting, we were just praying for the morning. Do you want to come up? And right at the end, Jackie just brought a prayer. It was so heartfelt, I think I couldn't do it justice. So I'd just like to let Tracy come and say what you said this morning, really, and see where we go. And it's in this context of the life you never expected. You know, um, each situation different. We don't want to present this rosy picture of this retirement when it all clicks into place. It doesn't always. And there's particular groupings that... Oh, you carry on. Yeah, I just really felt as I was praying um, this morning about retirement and for people, it just uh, really struck my heart that there's so many people, especially with this cost of living crisis um, going on, that um, you know some people are actually working two or three jobs in their retirement to make ends meet. And... Um, it's just so wrong and I just um, I just really felt God speaking as I was praying this, but I'm not, I actually I think I might just pray because it might just get across some of what what was going on but yeah thank you Lord I just yeah I do pray I just thank you Lord um, for people that um, reach this point in their lives I just um, just lift them up to you I just pray um, that they just know your love and your care and your your heart for them, Lord. Make your face shine upon them, Lord. I just pray that people that are, you know, even people here sitting here today might be in the 
position that they're not able to retire. They're not able to do the things that they thought they were going to be able to do. I just pray for um, just your love to go out to them, to reach them, to touch them. I pray that people, you place people around them to support them where they need it, whether it's physically, financially, um, like with health, with whatever is going on in their lives, Lord, just just give them. And people particularly just break strongholds as well of um, um, just um, um, pride. Pride um, is such a setback for all of us. We all have a pride. It's built into us from the from the nation that we live in. In this nation, we've been brought up to have a stiff upper lip and to just... Um, you know, just to be prideful about everything and, um, and not to accept help when it's offered to us. So I just really felt that people, you know, if you really need help, ask for it. Set aside that pride. I just pray, Lord, please just break that stronghold of pride over people, over all of us in situations that we find ourselves in that we can't help falling into, but just give us the... Give us the strength and the help and the support that we need and, and help us to be to find the strength to reach out and ask for that help, Lord. Just just give people um, strength, Lord, to just be able to just say, just say to somebody that they know really well, somebody that they can trust, even one of the eldership here, I just pray, please, Lord, give people strength to be able to um, just speak to somebody before it's, you know, before they get into worse situations and before things get too much. And yeah, just thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I thought that was from God and we shouldn't miss it, you know, the passion of, of, uh, of Jackie's heart. And Paul did remind me, actually, that if you're in financial trouble, you know, talk to somebody because there are resources available for people in that sort of situation. And we are living in a cost of living crisis, aren't we? So let's just not miss that one. OK, so I think retirement is very much the same as any other part of the kingdom of God. So we talked about kingdom family. What does it mean to be a kingdom mum or a kingdom dad, a kingdom son or daughter? We talked about work. What does it mean to be a kingdom worker? And so on. So today we're talking about what does it mean to live a kingdom retirement? And as I said, what you won't find is lots and lots of rules, laws to help you. What you do find is if you're filled with the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, if you let the Spirit come into you and you let the, Bible, the Spirit make the Bible come alive to you, as he promised to do, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit in John is he will teach you all things and he will remind you of what I taught you. So the Holy Spirit will be with you and will help direct you in all those situations. As I say, we can't cope with, you can't you know, deal with each one, but the Holy Spirit can. He's the helper. He's the counsellor. He's the teacher. He's the reminder. If you're filled with the Spirit, you walk by the Spirit, it applies as much to retirement as it does to every other phase of our lives. So where do you look for a bit of help um, on this whole issue? Well, I found it helpful to look at St Paul in his later years. Now, St Paul didn't actually retire, but it's interesting. He spent four years in prison, two in Caesarea, and six months getting to Rome, where he spent another six months in Rome. So imagine what that's like. It's all recorded in Acts 20, uh, 24, 25. Can you imagine what that's like? St. Paul, he was like a, a mad activist. He's a bit like Robin Redsell on speed, you know. He does so much, he moves and, you know, he's, he's Paul. This is not Robin, this is Paul. He's, he can't anymore rush around the Middle East. 
What's he doing? Planting churches, being involved in riots, being shipwrecked, taking on the intellectuals in Athens, being beaten, lashed, hungry, thirsty, tired, naked, without sleep. He's a firebrand, rushing around, doing lots of apostolic visits. He goes to Thessalonica, Ephesus, Bithynia, Galatia, Paphos, all over the place, teaching, preaching, strategizing. But his big plan is to get to Rome. And chapter 28, hallelujah, he makes it but not as he expected. He's a prisoner. He's already done two years in prison in Caesarea between two guards, and it took him six months to get shipped to Rome, and he's in prison for another two years in Rome. How does he handle it? Can you imagine how frustrating it is for him? God, you promised. It's there in the Bible. It's there in Acts. I get to Rome, but here I am. I'm in prison. What use is that? And I think it's really instructive how he handles it. Those letters written from prison, either here in Rome or Caesarea, we call the letters of Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians. And they breathe an atmosphere of patience, joy, expectation. He's not champing at the bit like a restless stallion. He's content. He's got peace. How does he do that? Chained up between guards, shut away, not being able to go and see the people he loves. Well, I think... There are four or five points which we'll quickly rush through for time's sake that Paul shows us in these letters, particularly to the letters, uh, the letter to the Philippians, but referring to the other ones. So first of all, we can have the first heading up. And Paul is convinced of God's sovereignty. He believes in a sovereign God. We sung it in two songs this morning. You know, even though the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. We believe in the sovereignty of God. You know, much as he longed to get out and serve the contemporary church, he gives us these wonderful, confident-filled, helpful letters, which are well worth whoops, reading through. Philippians only takes you, you know, an hour or two to read through. You want to know how to live well in retirement? Read Philippians. Think of Paul in prison, shut in, not doing the things that he wanted to do. It says in Philippians 1.12, in fact, so secure he is in the, <coughs> the sovereignty of God. He says, I want you to know, beloved, what's happened to me. It's helped to spread the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole guard and everyone else. What's happened to me? All of this is prison. It's all because God wants me to share the gospel. He believes in the sovereignty of God. And he actually sets out in various of his verses his confidence that God has been with him. I remember Chris Bunt used to lead worship here in the church. I remember Chris leading one morning and he started the meeting by saying, um, Psalm 23, he says, surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. And Chris said, before we start singing, turn around literally to your head. And he said, can you see God's faithfulness and mercy and love following you all the days of your life? A good thing to do, isn't it? Especially when you get to these later years. Look around. Has the goodness and love of God followed us all the days of our lives? Sometimes it might not feel like it. Sometimes we might think that period, I don't know, you know, you seemed a long way away. But I think the fact you're here means, yeah, I believe it. I believe in that sovereignty of God. And then linked to that, we find in Philippians 4, contentment. This is an amazing verse that Paul says in Philippians 4, a couple of verses, he says, I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
In any and all circumstances, I've learnt the secret of being well-fed or going hungry, of having plenty or being in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He, whatever his circumstances, he's a man, he's content. Many other bits of, of this um, uh, letter bring out the same sorts of things. Are we contented in our later years? Can we really say that? Can we give an account for the hope that's in us, like Paul did? Do people look at us and say, cool, you know, <laughs> they've got something I haven't. You know, they might have physical limitations, but there's something there they've got to contend in. And I'll come on to confident in the middle as well, in a minute as well. And now more than ever, I think, at this age of life, we can give an account of the hope that's in us. We've got time to make those relationships that we never had when we used to drive up the close for us, you know, because that's your busy. I'm rushing up here doing something. Now we've got time to take time to listen, especially listen as well as talk. We can let people see our confidence in Jesus and call them to ask themselves questions about what does your retirement look like? What's your hope for the future? Don't miss the opportunity. Pam's dad was 102 when he died. He spent many years travelling the world as an evangelist, preacher, teacher, all over the place. And uh, for the last couple of years, he, oh no, a couple of months actually, he was in a nursing home. And um, he'd found it very hard. At 98, he was still travelling to the States and, and Central America preaching. So you can imagine what that did to a, a guy who was in a, a nursing home. And towards the end of his life, <coughs> the care workers didn't quite know how to talk to him. So the owner sort of said, well, he, you know, he likes his Bible. He's a religious one of them, religious ones. He likes his Bible. Come read the Bible. So this girl picked up the Bible and she says, you know, I was told to read you this. He says, she's, uh, she said, I don't believe in God. And Arthur, Pam's dad, said, that's all right, Dookie. He believes in you. And, you know, and he died probably two weeks later. And almost his last conscious act was to witness to his confidence in where he was going. So, you're content, you're confident. Then another one is, yeah, so we just have another couple of, couple of headings up, content in his situation, confident in his future, let's push on for time's sake. And I'd just like to throw this one in, he's concerned for his brothers and sisters. He's concerned. When he said goodbye to his Ephesian friends, he cried, he wept. And he tells you in Philippians 1 how much he values them. What an opportunity we've got, as Jackie has pointed us to, to make sure we're concerned for one another. We've had lots of opportunity, perhaps over the lockdown times, to be close in a way we never expected, particularly those that can't get out so much. You know, through the wonders of, of Zoom and WhatsApp, I can't believe how quickly our group of mostly 70, 80-year-olds got onto WhatsApp. A little bit of tuition, and we were WhatsApping. I just deleted a thousand WhatsApps from that time, literally a thousand. And we were concerned for each other, like Paul was in his retirement, as it were, his, his confinement. And um, it's interesting to see what we did. If you look back on those messages, somebody would say, We're praying for you. Somebody else would share a joyful experience, a picture of a new grandchild. Somebody else would send a link to a Christian song. Every, almost every day at one point. And it reminded me in Ephesians, um, I think it's chapter 5, it, it talks there about singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. 
And I don't think we intended it to be, we didn't look at that verse and say, we must send some psalms, send the spiritual songs and encouragements. We just did it. And it's really encouraging to look back and think, gosh, we got through those times really well. Let's not lose that sense of community that we developed then. You know? um, and the other thing is, be concerned for one another. Talk to people younger than yourself. We've had a brilliant, blessed time. I don't know if they did. With working with the 20s on the uh, Living Free course that Pam mentioned. And it was amazing. It really was. Um, just being with them, finding out how warm and affirming they are of old people. Such a different picture from what the world paints of young people. A lot of therapy is rubbish. They're brilliant and they're fun. But also they're very spiritual, you know. And I often say, 10 o'clock at night, I just want to go home for me cocoa. And then one of them will say, what about this theological point? Oh, flipping heck, you know. But it's brilliant, you know. Um, you know, make the most of this community that is unique. There's, yeah, 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 Josiah, he's laughing, he's one of them. And James Webb's the other one. Right, okay. <laughs> Maybe no names. Uh, ain't Christian one much better. Anyway, across the road, there's a community that include all ages, all backgrounds, it's called the hospital. And there's another one over here. You don't get anywhere else like this that includes every nation, you know, every age group, every background. Make the opportunity, take the opportunity, you know, be concerned, notice what happens uh, with other people's lives. I think I'm running out of time. I? <laughs> I, thought it would, I thought it would be. And last of all, Let's go down to contending. Right until the end, Paul is contending. He's contending for people's souls. As Pamela said, you can dis witness, you can disciple right to the end. And, um, yeah, he, he's, he's very clear that that is his role. And it doesn't stop at any time in his life. And then I'm going to finish with probably my favourite bit from Colossians, uh, from Philippians, which is a brilliant sort of summation of all we've been saying. This is how Paul ends when he says, I'm still contending, contending in myself with all the things that pull me off my Christian walk, but contending for the gospel. And this is how he finishes in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and, and share in the suffering by becoming like him in death, if I can somehow attain resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained this, um, this, but I press on to the goal to make it my own, because Christ has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have it made my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to li what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ. And he says, brothers and sisters, join me. Um, you know, be those that... Can't read me, can't read me on writing... Uh, uh, who live as examples of this. And he says, set your citizenship in heaven. Go and read Philippians 3. Be encouraged and feel that you can still push on, push forward in Jesus, filled by the Spirit with his word. Amen. We'll stop there.